This is Professor Greg Reichberg, coming to you from Oryang, Sweden. Welcome back to The Absolutes. For this episode, I want to discuss with you fidelity to the light. I've taken this expression from one of my favorite philosophers, the Frenchman Jacques Maritain. His idea was that each of us encounters a decisive moment, a moment in our lives when we stand at a crossroads, as if on the edge of a precipice. A decision is thrust upon us, and I debate within myself, trying to figure out how I should choose. And at bottom, it is not so much about moral right and wrong, although that too is involved, but about the way I should go, the path I should follow. Maritain's point was that it is essential to heed this prompting, to be faithful to the light. Not to do so is to court existential disaster. People we uphold as saints and heroes have remained faithful to the light and followed it to the full. My hunch is that great villains, people like Hitler, Stalin, or Pol Pot, people who have made themselves friends of evil, have likewise experienced their moment of light but have decisively turned away from it. In thinking about this light, we shouldn't imagine it like a thunderbolt and lightning, something that comes to us with an extraordinary effect. This happens sometimes. Think about St. Paul's account of his conversion on the road to Damascus. But most often, it does not come surrounded by these extraordinary effects. There's a passage in the Bible that recounts how the prophet Elijah sought a sign from God. God instructed him to go to a mountainside and to await the sign. Elijah went to the designated place, and first he saw lightning and heard thunder. But the narrator says God was not in the lightning or thunder. Then there was an earthquake, and the narrator said God was not in the earthquake. Finally, there came a gentle breeze, so subtle it could hardly be felt. And the narrator said, God was in the gentle breeze. So often, the light that we receive, the light that we experience, comes like a gentle breeze. At bottom, Martin's idea was that through fidelity to the light, we come into contact with the Absolute. This, in fact, is the only means of establishing such contact. In the previous podcast, I talked about my encounter as a young adult. I was around 19. I described my encounter with the metaphysical problem of radical contingency. What would be the implications for human life? What would be the implications for my life if everything I encounter, not only myself and my own existence, it is, after all, certainty that I will die, And so will all those around me. But what if all that we encounter, all that is good and true in our existence, all that which has value, the love experienced, the knowledge enjoyed, the beauty seen, what if all of this will eventually pass away? At the time, I thought I was alone with this quandary. 
that I was a strange person to have raised such a strange question. Later, I found out that this was a recognized philosophical problem. The problem of the necessary and the contingent. The medieval philosopher Thomas Aquinas discusses it as the third of his proofs for God's existence. Is it possible, Aquinas asked, for the universe to consist of things entirely contingent, things that are so composed that at some point they will not be? The philosopher Immanuel Kant thought that this was the only proofs for God's existence that could stand a chance of succeeding. But what really surprised me as I pursued my philosophical studies was to find out that Jacques Maritain, the philosopher I mentioned at the outset, that Jacques Maritain had gone through a similar experience at about the same age as myself. His wife, Raisa, recounts the story in a memoir she wrote in New York City during the Second World War. As young students in Paris, Jacques and Raisa followed the standard course of lectures that were then offered at the Sorbonne. They had a brilliant array of professors. But all in varying degrees were imbued with the reigning philosophy of the day. A mix of scientism and skepticism. Scientism is the idea that it is through science alone that we can reach certitude. This confidence in scientific reason was allied with a deep skepticism regarding metaphysical reason. The deep questions of human existence. Is there a truth? Is there a part of myself that transcends matter? Is there an ultimate principle beyond the world and on which the world depends? Can God's existence be demonstrated? It was thought that these questions permitted of no decisive answer. And the very asking of them was met with irony and a kind of professional derision. Religion had no bearing on these questions. Religion was set in its own closed domain with no relevance to intellectual inquiry. Faced with this state of affairs, Jacques and Raisa slid quietly and slowly into despair. One sunny day they sat on a bench in the Jardin des Plants, the large public garden that lies near the Sorbonne. They had to admit that their search for truth was thus far a failure. They were sad. It was then that they reached a fateful decision. If, in the course of a year, we don't find a way forward, a truth that can anchor our lives, give our lives meaning, we will end our lives. Better to go out by a free act of will than to be slowly crushed by a meaningless despair. Many years later, as an elderly man of about 90, Martin revisited that very same bench in the Jardin des Plants. So much had happened in the ensuing years. How did he and Raisa find a way out of the maze? What led them out of the quandary they had found themselves in? The answer is complex and would take us on a long tour into Maritain's life and thought. But boiled down to its essentials, I think that Maritain would say that he and Raisa remained, through thick and thin, faithful to the light. They followed where the light led them. What is this light? And what does it mean to be faithful to it? These are deep and hard questions. 
But here are a few insights that I've come to. First of all, respect your questions. Don't be afraid to ask them. It is healthy to have these questions. They touch on what is fundamental to our humanity. And in asking, dare to have the confidence, the courage, that an answer will be found. I think it was Karl Marx who said that when we manage to frame a question rightly and are willing to go through the struggle of defining its terms, we are more than half the way to an answer. To be able to ask a question is already to be in possession of a light. Second, there are two fundamentally different kinds of questions. Some questions deal with problems, puzzles that once resolved like a Rubik cube are no longer interesting. Once I have the answer, I move on to something else. Other questions deal with what Aristotle called wonder. They deal with matters that can't be fully known, that don't permit of simple answers, because they touch on the mystery inherent in things. Unlike a problem, which once understood is no longer interesting, the more I know of a mystery, a topic of wonderment, the more remains to be known. I stay with the topic, and with each step of understanding, a new question, a new unknown emerges. Raisa Maritan once said that a mystery is like the point of a cone that opens up to infinity. Third, and maybe most important, realize that there are some questions, in fact, the most important ones, there are some questions that one cannot think oneself out of. No amount of argumentation by logical step-by-step -step reasoning will lead me to the answer I so ardently desire. Why is that? Philosophically, the reason is that my conclusions are only so good as the premises I start from. If my premises are faulty, or incomplete, or absent, no matter how hard I think, a satisfying answer will never emerge. I will be left dangling on the edge of a precipice. This is where inspiration comes into the picture. Aristotle was perhaps the first philosopher to clearly identify the issue. If every act of reasoning depends on premises, starting points, and these in turn depended on other premises, which in turn were conclusions from a prior inference. Well, can this go on forever, each premise being derived as a conclusion from a prior reasoning? Aristotle's genius was to see that this cannot go on forever, that to do so would involve us in infinite movement backward, with the result that thinking would have no way of getting started in the first place. There must be some premises that do not derive from any prior act of reasoning. These principles are first. There are no others lying behind them on which they depend. Being first, they cannot be reasoned into. I can know them only in a flash, by way of intuition. At the end of the day, we move forward with the big questions. We wrestle with mystery, with the absolutes, only with the aid of inspiration. 
we can have a long philosophical and even theological discussion about what these first principles are and how we come to know them. But for now, I want to emphasize how important it is to listen to them, to be attentive to these principles, to this inspiration, and to allow myself to be surprised by it. This inspiration can come to me when I least expect it. The modalities vary widely. They can just pop into my head. They can arise through conversation with other persons. They can be prompted by a painting, by reading a novel, or come to me at night in a dream. It's important not to wall myself off from these starting points, from this inspiration. I can wall myself off by always keeping my mind occupied, by always being busy, by always having a device in front of me. I read an article a while ago by a psychologist who said that the mind needs to process important questions, difficult issues, troublesome thoughts even. The mind needs to process them, and this can only happen in moments of quiet. And a danger inherent in contemporary life, where we're always occupying our mind, often with electronic media, is that we prevent the ideas, the inspiration, the starting points from coming into our minds. We need moments of quiet. We need to make ourselves available for this to happen. Being faithful to the light means first and foremost that I leave myself open to these inspirations, these flashes of insight, that I leave myself open to them and I don't turn away from them when they come. Fidelity to the light is our means of contact, our pathway to the absolute. Thank you.